This week's podcast brought to you by Knocking and Boinging. We were at a softball game this week, as we frequently are, and during the game I got a call from our eldest daughter who was home minding the fort, including our nine-year-old son, and and our daughter said uh, that our son, she said, I don't hear it, but our son hears a scary noise coming from the basement. What should I do? And I said, well, what is the noise? And she said, he says it's a scary knocking and boinging. And I said, how can there be a scary boinging? (laughs) It turns out there was a strange man on a trampoline in the basement, but still. (laughs) Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Another very special episode of the Ball and Chain podcast. Our guest today, really not our guest, he's with us constantly, but he's physically with us today. Denny with one end joins us in basement. He's got some kind of bronchial thing going on, but uh, welcome Denny with one end. Hey there. How's it going? Bringing that energy to the show right. as always. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. It's, even, even it is because of my 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 childlike Starbucks order, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Rebecca, you stopped thoughtful enough to stop at Starbucks on the way home from dropping off our, our daughter from her orthodontist appointment. You asked if we wanted anything to drink from from a certain purveyor of coffee, and Denny asked for a vanilla bean frappuccino. The best part of that is I mentioned, I said that out loud, and our 11-year-old daughter said, that's what I drink. <laughs> so you also, and, and when we asked you the size, you said you don't know the size. You, you're not a Starbucks? Not, I, I go to Starbucks all the time, but like I feel like it's tedious to know the sizes there. So because, th- because, number one, that there's an air of pretension about grande, Venti. like tall. Have your large one be large and your small one be small. But then that and would so, deprive that would deprive Rebecca of having her Twitter bio read tall americano. That's right. Americano is like a kind of coffee though, but and 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 you're both tall, so it's like that would still hold up. So what do you do when you physically when you're in Starbucks, do you use their lingo or do you say small, medium or large? I, just, I ask every single time. What what do you ask? I ask, can I just get a small and they're like sure. But do you say do they ask your name and you say Denny and they write it with two ends? I'm lucky if I even get a D, E, and an N there. The rest, after that's just gravy. So so how often do you go to Starbucks, or do you not I go? I almost edit this podcast religiously at Starbucks. Oh, really? Yeah. With their free Wi-Fi? Yeah, exactly. Well, you must have been hopped up on some kind of overly caffeinated when you edited last week's podcast, because you write the show titles. Always a joy to read those show titles. Last week, you had the phrase, Thoughtful Thieves, in the show title. T-H-I-E-F-S, Thoughtful Thieves, and uh, and some of our listeners uh, busted you on that. Here's what's whack about this, okay? I don't hear anything about this for a week. I get in, in basement, and I'm like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas walking into the bar for a meeting. See, this, is what, you, this is what you bring. <laughs> this is one of the many things that you bring to the podcast, is if you weren't here, the, our viewers, our listeners, wouldn't hear the phrase, this is what's whack about this. But in, in Denny's defense, and I'm not going to defend him on on uh, grammatical issues or spelling issues. We're both alumni of Marquette University. But thieves is a tricky one because you ha- the, the, the plural of briefs is not briefs. The plural of brief. 
The plural of handkerchief? Is it handkerchiefs or handkerchiefs? What is it? It's not the Kansas City Chiefs, is it? <laughs> so I'm going to cut Denny some slack here on, on the thoughtful thieves versus thieves. I like the way it sounds better, too. I like the way thieves after thoughtful sounds better than thieves after thoughtful. And I'm going to be honest with you. With these titles, I was more concerned about the alliteration of the whole thing because that's my number one thing. I love when we can get the T's and the T's or the S's and the S's. I live for that. So. But it's a fine line, Denny, between alliteration and illiteracy. Illiterate, yeah, and last week was illiterate, and I apologize. I take full responsibility. So are you going to leave it, or are you going to go back in I, like, and change it? I just changed it as soon as you it's guys It's already changed? It's already changed. Oh, did Steve? I'm hoping you at least got a screenshot. Uh, I'm of sure it somebody before. did. He's destroyed the evidence, but but it's it's all there in our <laughs> in our in our brains, plural. Last week I flew to Orlando for a big corporate speaking kind of a thing. I, I was not speaking. I was moderating a panel, and one and it was a panel that had a few um, Olympic winter Olympians, and one of them was Lindsey Vaughn, the skier. And one Not of, Lindsay Vaughn, the Shakespearean actress. You're correct. Okay. Um, and I got picked up at the airport. And when the driver picked me up, he said, uh, he said, I picked up Lindsay Vaughn this morning. She was coming in on a red eye. She landed at 6 a.m. And he said there were a bunch of people waiting for her at the airport to sign things. And he said two people actually followed them out to the car to get their items signed. And uh, he said after he dropped her up he obviously knew her name because it was on his sign when he picked her up he googled her and then realized that she was an olympic athlete and so we were in the car and uh and he said to me are are you an olympic athlete and i and i told him i was and you could sort of see the the disappointment that no one was at the airport waiting for me to sign but anything and no one followed me out to the that car that isn't actually true because you the last time you disembarked a red eye there were people there waiting to give you back things you had signed for them right, 15 right, years earlier. Right, exactly. That, that would be what they would be there for. But it was a really cool event. I met some women I'd never met before. Amy Purdy, who is an Paralympic athlete who has this incredible story. If people don't know who she is, they should Google her and... Uh, and she's pretty amazing. And then the hockey players, Monique and Jocelyn Lamoureux, um, were there. Uh, they scored. Uh, Jocelyn scored the the game, the "Oops, I Did It Again" goal in uh, in overtime in the Olympics to help the U.S. beat Canada. But anyway, I had my plan was uh, my event was in the afternoon, so I had booked my ticket a month or so ago. Uh, flying in that morning and then taking a 9 p.m. flight back home uh, because, you know, we've got the four kids and there was activities and stuff going on. So when I got there, one of the people who was running the event said to me, they said, oh, yeah, if you are staying over tonight, John Mayer is here and he's playing a concert at the Ritz-Carlton for the for a hundred of our clients and uh, you and the and the women on the panel are invited to go. But since you're not staying over, we assume you don't want to go, but if you do, you know, you can change your flight or whatever. And it just, and I did not change my flight. I did not go to the, to the Ritz Carlton to watch John Mayer perform. And it, it made me think that this was finally coming to, to be when you and I have talked about how I'm at the stage of my life where if my favorite musician of all time, if Bruce Springsteen was playing in my living room and it was 10 PM and I got tired, I'd say, all right, you can keep playing, but I'm going to bed. That essentially is what it was. I could have been in something that seemed like a, a living room listening to a private concert by John Mayer, and I decided to get on the plane home instead. Well, had you stayed an extra night to listen to the John Mayer concert, you'd have been welcome to stay another six months because uh, I wouldn't have wanted to 
see you after learning that I was with four more the four kids um, for another 24 hours because see? because you needed John Mayer to serenade you with your body is a wonderland yeah. <laughs> um, and and speaking well, of Bruce see, Springsteen in your living room we have another bard of the Jersey Shore here with us Denny Gallagher and uh, and I don't see you throwing him out of out of your basement well so. I can I can say this I think most husbands if their wife had texted them and said, if, if I stay the night and come home tomorrow morning, I can see a private concert by John Mayer, most husbands would say, oh, you should definitely do that. That's kind of cool experience. That that wasn't the text response that I got from you. I, I should ask Denny here, if I were a cruel person, what most wives would say. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and if I had stayed overnight, I might not have had this pleasant experience I was, we've talked about how you have to be completely on your toes when you are at a light and you're waiting for the left turn arrow to come on. So recently I was in the car and I was behind a woman. I was the second person and the green arrow to turn left came on and she sat there and sat there and sat there. And I thought maybe she was on a device or something. So I honked my horn and she still didn't go. And she put her hands up as if she was confused or I don't know what. But we sat through a whole cycle of the left turn arrow, and it was infuriating. And then finally, a couple minutes later, when the, the arrow turned green, not only did she go, but then she was driving like a bat out of hell, going super fast. I, I, don't, I don't know what the deal was. But the next day, the next night, which happened to be last night, I was driving our 13-year-old home from basketball practice in totally a side street. There were not any other cars around, and I came to a stop sign. And apparently I didn't come to a complete stop. And I know this because a hundred yards after I went through the stop sign, I saw the flashing lights behind me and I got pulled over by a young and very nice gentleman police officer. And he came up to the car and I just said, I guess I didn't come to a complete stop. And, uh, and he ended up not writing me a ticket. And he looked at our 13 year old and said, don't learn how to, how to drive and, and come to stops from your mother. And, and as, as I'm driving away, I was but thinking... First, but first, did he not, did he or did he not look at your license and say, are you the Winter Olympian? <laughs> yeah, he did not say that. Um, but did he say anything? He did say, are you Rebecca Lo No, he said, are you the basketball player? And I confirmed that that was and, true. And you, you, you parted your, your blazer, to revealing your gold my, medal. No, to show him said, my Olympic jersey. Why, yes, I am, yeah, yeah. officer. But my point is this, what is... What is less safe and what is a bigger traffic hazard? The person sitting completely through a cycle of a left green arrow or the person who, instead of coming to a complete stop, comes to a most mostly stop with no other cars around. There was nothing I did that was unsafe on this side street. But I get pulled over uh, and that woman sleeping through the green arrow This is a case of, of moral relativism. You're both wrong. You've both flouted the law. Blatantly, and I think you're both. But I don't think you would get a ticket if the, if there was a cop sitting behind the woman instead of me at the green arrow. I don't think you can get a ticket for ignoring the green uh, light. I was in a left turn lane this week going to our daughter's softball game, and also a cycle of lights went through without the guy in front of me turning. Without actually, the cycle of lights went through without the left, the green left turn arrow ever coming on. And the guy in front of me was on a motorcycle, a retired white-haired gentleman, and. He kept waving me up to join him at the front of the stoplight. And I realized that he didn't weigh enough or the motorcycle didn't weigh enough to, to trip whatever sensors caused the green arrow. So I pulled up next to him as if I were now the sidecar to his motorcycle. And 
on the next cycle of lights, the light did change. I don't know why he just so didn't So who turn. went first when it finally changed? Did he, he then he went let first. you go first? No, he went first. But I've been, then been told by other motorcycle riders that sometimes they don't, the, the lights don't change for them, and they just have to turn without the light changing. And that police officers often understand that because they rode, ride motorcycles themselves, and they know the deal. That, but I think as a couple of uh, middle-aged people creeping toward decrepitude, we are, this is small potatoes in terms of flouting the law. I think we have a, a young uh, fugitive in our basement today, Denny with one N Gallagher, who, Denny, have you had any brushes with, uh, with the law lately? Well, speaking of fighting the law and the law one, I have, in fact. Uh, Saturday night, I was at a bar in at, at the Jersey Shore in Belmar called DJ's. And for starters, the place is a complete dive. Start off. So you're uh, not trying. You're I'm not just gonna trying trash, to get a, no, um, a well, sponsorship no. from DJs. Uh, listen, I. <laughs> you may have to edit out while you're doing your own editing the name of this place if you're going to continue to trash it. No, go I tr- on. Okay, so I, I I've already trashed these folks on NBA Radio on Sirius XM on Sunday that re-aired three times. I got so much pleasure out of that because there's nothing better than being a petty person and having your petty actions replay three times at 8 p.m. in prime time and, and at 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So anyway, so yeah, I was meeting up with some friends at this place. Hadn't even started the night drinking yet. I gave the cover charge, walked in. What was the cover charge, just out of curiosity? $15. Is that typical for a cover no, charge? No, that, that is the third cover charge I've paid in my life. I okay. don't pay cover charges. I don't do that. Is that because you're sneaking into places that have cover charges yeah. or you don't go to places that I just that don't have go them? to places that have cover charges, okay. really. So I go to this place. I go to, go to the bar. I'm like, can I get my drink? He's like, I hand him my card. Because it's 2018, what place doesn't take credit cards but it was cash only which i thought was crazy so i went to go find the atm that probably had a seven dollar convenience fee and as i'm looking around like i'm not paying attention to my surroundings because i'm looking for this atm i bump into this bouncer and i literally bounce off the bouncer and he's like oh you think you slick huh puts me in a headlock wrestles me to the ground rips my shirt off and it took three people to throw me out of this place i was in there for five minutes he ripped like, your shirt off? Yeah. Well, you know what I think that is, Steve? I think that's bouncy castles. Well, you know. Since we've finally gotten to use the phrase. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is my question. Yeah. Did you then shirtless, meekly walk back and say, can I please have my $15? No. Or did you just let it go? And did the guys who came with you, did they leave too? No. They didn't? No. no okay. No. So that's not okay. So did you at some point leave shirtless? Or was there a, was there a Hulk Hogan-like uh, remnants of a shirt that you were wearing when you left so the the mistake i made was uh wearing it was like a like button shirt so it was like i walked out of there like patrick swayze in roadhouse of course just like half shirt just like hanging out there so yeah it was thank god i go to the gym otherwise that would have been incredibly embarrassing <laughs> fortunately it wasn't embarrassing yeah. at all well yeah, no, no shame well, so that was your Saturday, and then take us through the next day. So your the next Sunday. day, I go to work. Okay, just normally, you know, I wake up, do NBA weekend, NBA insiders on the floor of a hotel lobby, right? You yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I exclusively occupy that space in both my workspace and my life. So I'm doing the show. I, I roll in and I park at the corner of 49th and Avenue of the Americas. Good spot. I can walk right to work. I didn't know that the Tonys were that night. 
So by the time I get out, my car is in a sort of product placement for the Tonys on CBS, and it took a whole another uh, police incident to try to get my car back to to go home because your car was right where the red carpet was. Yeah. So how what had they done? Like, did you even have a hard time getting to your car because the yeah. barricades and stuff are up? It was barricaded in. I'm seeing Robert De Niro. I'm seeing Josh Groban go by. And I'm just trying to get to my Mini Cooper. Yeah. And so what did you, what was the result? How did you eventually get to your I car talked to, get to out? the cop, and then after waiting for about, I don't know, I'd say it was like between 30 and 40 minutes, they, like, they finally walked me down, and I drove the wrong way down 49th. And it, it very much felt like I was on like a soundstage of New York, kind of having my own little... New York Minute moment right there. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. The, the, the awkward thing was as, as Denny was driving away down the red carpet in his tattered shirt from the night right. before, uh, one of the entertainment reporters on hand asked who he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> He's, and as, as he drove by Robert De Niro, he saw De Niro practicing his speech for that night. It was yeah. a very short speech. I mentioned that I moderated this panel down in Orlando, and because I was going to be asking the questions of these of the athletes, I was watching uh, different videos and reading different things, listening to podcasts, and I watched a uh, watched a radio interview actually with Lindsey Vaughn and Dan Patrick. That was from maybe three years ago, and one of the things that was brought up during the interview was one of the guys who works on Dan Patrick's show had said was talking about Lindsey Vaughn's handshake, you know, just commented on on how she has a strong handshake. So I had, that was part of, of, of something I'd heard. And anyway, after we did the panel, we had a meet and greet with, with a variety of people. And so I was standing right next to Lindsey as people were coming through getting their pictures taken. Two separate people commented to her on her handshake. And it was just, it was interesting because people don't usually comment on the firmness of her handshake i I think yeah they just said wow you know you have quite quite a handshake or something (laughs) like that i'm assuming they never mentioned firmness um but i'm assuming that's what it that what what it was in uh in relation to but anyway it was just um it was a an interesting thing to for people to bring up i hadn't really heard it in that context before there's nothing worse than the than the dead fish handshake and i grew up being taught the value of a firm handshake my dad would give us something called the knuckle floater after after uh, dinner, he'd say, let me see your grip, and we'd, we'd line up to uh, have him test our grip. I was eight years old, and he would he would crush our hand in his, his meat hook, and give us something called the knuckle floater. We're squeezing our hand until all four knuckles of the fingers were, were sort of uh, being mashed together like, like stress balls. So I've always grown up with an appreciation for and, a, and, um, and uh, demonstrating a a cement crushing grip. One, one of the frustrating things as a woman is sometimes men go to shake your hand instead of giving you a real handshake they do that little clasp thumb to figure yeah. yeah clasp thing and 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 it's terrible I think that's like, some kind of like 1950s charm school thing that they're taught to, to do that well it's the least charming thing i can think of and since we're on the t- topic of handshakes there's two handshakes that i can remember they, they were memorable to me one of them was one of the first time uh, i think it was the first time i met dr j and i shook his hand and his and his hand is so big i can just remember feeling like 
the fingertips came up, you know, three inches past my wrist. And then it was the same experience I met years ago at a, another banquet kind of a thing. This is not Julia Serving. This is Dr. J, your... Right. your uh, not not uh, not our your resident OBGYN. Yeah. Oh, I would not want that for my OBGYN. But uh, anyway, to um, it was meeting Johnny Bench and the same thing. Johnny Bench, who, like Dr. J, you would kind of expect to have these massive hands. Johnny Bench's hands were not quite Dr. J-like, but massive hands and shaking his hand and thinking the same thing like wow this is almost like shaking dr j's most hand. people don't realize but johnny bench throughout his all-star career as a catcher never wore a catcher's mitt <laughs> right and that reminds me of another recent handshake that happened in the last 24 to 48 hours the uh i'm fascinated by the trump the the trump kim jong-un handshake I'm fascinated by the grab the hand and then slap like the upper arm. I'm 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 fascinated by the entire entire dynamic, especially from a shorter guy going up to a taller guy. A lot like in this podcast, it's fascinating. I don't think we've we've talked about on previous podcasts. My brother refusing to hug Rebecca Lowe. Right. Re, our Rebecca in a low hug. I'm not talking about Rebecca Lowe of NBC Sports <laughs> uh, Premier League coverage. I'm talking about my brother wouldn't be the low party in a hug with Rebecca, who is a couple of inches taller than he is. But I am not a fan at all of the, when somebody shakes your hand and then grabs the elbow or grabs the shoulder or uses their non-shaking hand to, to grab you in any way. Although I'll have to say this because sometimes I'll meet people and it'll be in a, in a, a situation where they want to have a conversation and oftentimes I'll meet them and, and while they're talking to me, they won't let go of the handshake. And one way to kind of indicate that it's time to let go of the handshake is I'll take my hand and tap them twice on their right shoulder kind of in a friendly way but it's also in a way that's saying like okay our handshake's done now our conversation doesn't have to be but I don't want to have you continue to shake my hand and that's exactly what I do with our dog when I've petted her and I to indicate that I'm now done with the pet or the belly scratch (laughs) I pat her two or three times on the rib cage but <laughs> and she she gets the message oftentimes the uh but the stranger does not but another thing while you you know i don't think have a problem being a low party in a hug if we're somewhere and you like hold somebody's hand you have to be the top party in the handhold. This makes Whether me nuts at church. What, that's what makes me think of it is, you know, sometimes at church people hold each other's hands even strangers hands during the our father and steve if 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 you if I put my hand on top and yours on bottom, you will immediately switch. You cannot be the low party in a handhold. All right. So, Denny, does this happen to you at church? Yeah. So, I mean, I've gone, I've, I went to Jesuit college, Catholic school, growing up. And the whole, it's weird because in high school, you, you have the whole meshing of people wanting to touch each other, but uh, not wanting to touch other people. In a Catholic high school, th- there's a whole weird dynamic to the Our Father that's not even religious at all. Like, if you're next to a crush and you get lucky enough to be in that position, what position does, does the hand go in? Make sure make sure that your hands aren't, aren't sweaty. So, wait, wait a minute. there's if, a whole if, Catholic if, school dynamic here. When, when, when you're, if you're getting lucky in Mass, did I just hear that phrase correctly? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, luck is you, interpretive. I well, mean. first of all, the whole holding hands during the Our Father. My family didn't do that. We didn't. I mean, we didn't hold hands. Period. We didn't shake hands. We did shake hands instead, instead of, hugging. of hugging. Yes. Um, but uh, so I, we don't do that. But uh, well, I did, I'm going to interject, I, yeah. and then I'll let you yeah. ret- return your story. 
if if the whole sometimes we'll go to a church and everyone's holding hands and so denny just picture this our family's in a row and we're next to strangers and so the strangers will then put their hand out so of course you have to hold it but the hold it ends with steve which means steve might refuse to hold our seven-year-old's hand while she's holding a stranger's hand so yeah, not I, only you you won't even hold your own kids i don't hold hand. the stranger's hands but but i don't no, I'm I saying you won't hold your own kids hands. i will say this this past sunday at mass at the kiss of peace the handshake of peace it's never clear what the verb it's is in not that a kiss change. of peace well be that as it may when that time came i was standing next to our six foot one 13 year old daughter and um i turned to give her a peck on the forehead and she turned to apparently hug me low because as i was doing that she bowed her head <laughs> and headbutted me in the nose and and for a few seconds there as my nose went numb i thought she had broken my nose with a headbutt during mass as someone who's broken her nose multiple times you'll know when your nose is broken well i, I did reach just, up for blood just so you know <laughs> then i could have worn that 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 mask plexiglass of mask that you wore when you broke your nose at least she didn't turn to a fellow parishioner and tell them that i love you when it's not talking to your family, like I've done on many occasions. You've t- turned to a stranger inadvertently? <laughs> because I thought I was turning to my mom, and then she wasn't there, and then I was like, I love you. <laughs> and did they respond in kind? They're like, I love you too, and I'm like, see ya. Speaking of saying I love you to people, Denny, how much swipe are you getting now? Tons. No, that's not a thing. I don't know how I said that. I don't know how that was interpretive, the word swipe, but like I'm happy that there is a... There should be. I love that phrase. There I'm happy now. that like middle-aged people across the country that listen to this podcast have gone to their kids and asked, hey, how much swipe are you getting? And they're like, what is that? So I'm happy that I kind of like was a little bit mischievous and... But if but if somebody asked you that, like if your mom had asked you that, well, hopefully she wouldn't, because that's just a weird Me question. Me and my to ask mom your son. have a lot of personal conversations. Okay. That most but you would know what she meant, yeah. even yeah. though if, if it wasn't yeah. a phrase, um, it should be. I mean, what a great way to like you should ask your buddies. Be like, you hey, know, are you getting swiped? <laughs> so it would have to be swipe right. Anyway, well, so how, how are you getting much swipe, Daddy? I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, like there's like interactions, but it's like it's I don't know. Like I feel like I have swipe fatigue right now. Because you're having so much. No, no, no. It's just. I, hold on. It's, he just said he's having swipe fatigue. He also, he also said in a very lawyerly sort of politician <laughs> way, there have been interactions. Right. That sounded Clintonian in its evasiveness. There have right. been interactions. So tell us more about these interactions. Danny. No, it's just like, you know, the, the swiping and comments. And you guys know, you guys have been there. Dating is very fatiguing. And like, like, you're telling me. <laughs> and it's just like. Like, the apps are not always the way to go. And I want to say to every millennial out there that human interaction is the best interaction. All right. Can I just say this? Yes. As a person who for 20 plus years scheduled her day, every day, day after day around workouts and getting ready to play a sport, I don't know that I would use the word fatiguing as it relates to dating. As it relates to swiping and texting and interacting via your phone. I don't think fatiguing. You know how like like people take like social media breaks and like social yes. media cleanses. Like I think people need swipe cleanses. Well, well you know what? I, I did that in my in my single days. I, I went I went months and years without <laughs> dating just as a dating cleanse. Right. That was uh that was Steve's intentional. And break I'm not from talking dating. about like like not 
like dating. Just like, you know, you go to a bar, you go out with friends, you you meet people the old-fashioned way. I think there's something romantic about that. You know, well, you, you walk up to a, a young woman and be wearing like, wearing half of your shirt that you came in with and <laughs> said, hey, can I, can I buy you a triple-barreled margarita maker? <laughs> well, what's interesting to me is it took me a while, and this was a couple years ago, and I was talking to a single girlfriend, and she was saying, um, I've been talking with this guy, I've been talking, I've been talking, when of course she didn't mean talking, she meant texting. Yeah. I didn't realize like i figure if she meant talking that they were actually speaking on the phone yeah. oh no no and the crazy thing about that is like if you're like hey do you want to facetime or like talk on the phone that's like a major step to facetime yeah talk yeah, on yeah the i'm phone not even joking yeah yeah that's that that's like a oh like 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 i wouldn't facetime or like call someone that i just went on like a date with that's not how it works. Yeah, right. This, this is a man who tells strangers in mass that he loves them. Yeah, exactly. But he's not ready for the. Uh, I've got love a lot of love to give, just right. not like. The, yeah. Well, that was another. A single friend of mine. She was talking to a guy, and so they were going to. They weren't in the same city, so they were going to watch a movie together. So they Facetimed each other and had the same channel on the okay, TBS see, or whatever. That's, that's so. I I I'm just, that sounds unbearable to me. Like. The last thing I would want to do would be have a screen with somebody. I mean, I could see talking on the phone while you watch a movie together, maybe, but FaceTiming yes, them? But, like, but what's it, the point? We talk about how things have changed so much in dating between a young guy like you, Denny, now, and how things were when Steve and I were young or even when we were dating. And we were at a carnival recently, and I saw these two high school aged boys. I'd say they were probably 17 or 18 years old and they walked in the carnival and they were holding hands. And I was just thinking like how that would have been out of the realm of thought, Steve, when you and I were kids and how comfortable these two young men were with each other. And it like made me feel very happy. And one of the reasons is I was having a conversation with a friend of mine at the final four, a woman who's, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years older than me. And she still, like I was, I was asking her, as I am with you, Denny, about her relationships and stuff. And she told me about a woman that she has been in a long-term relationship with. And this is a person I consider a friend, but she didn't feel comfortable really before that moment talking to me about it or a lot of people about it. And, and at the end of our conversation, she just said to me, she's like, thanks for having this conversation with me. And it's so nice for me now to see the level of acceptance um, and how it is for young people, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and, and I'll have to ask you, like, are people of your generation even phased if you see in a bar? Like, does it make you look twice if you see two gentlemen coming in holding hands or two women holding hands? Or because for when I was a kid, that yeah. would be something that made your eyes pop open. It's just something you didn't really see. Not really. I mean, I mean, I'm probably, probably the wrong person to ask living in like the New York area right. and but I, I mean, I'm sure you go to a certain part of, of the country and it's it, it, it's definitely frowned upon. But no, I mean, like, like, like you see dudes holding hands, you see girls holding hands. It's like, like, as I think my few appearances on this podcast have shown, finding love is hard and however, whatever form you can find it, it's like, that's what should be celebrated. Sure. It's just, it, it was, it's. It was a conversation that was when I had this conversation when I was at the Final Four with this friend of mine. It was just so eye-opening how she, a certain generation, still, I think, feels very uncomfortable discussing this sort of thing. And then you juxtapose that with these two young men who were just very comfortable in what they were doing at the carnival, just holding hands. And it was, as someone it was, who was nice. As someone who was also five to ten years older than you, <laughs> when I was a kid, 
in Minnesota, it was it was un- unusual to see two men shaking hands. <laughs> but that was just our repressed household, perhaps. Perhaps. And and also at a carnival in the past week, we saw previous guests of the podcast playing bingo. Yes. And uh, the Golics were there. The Golics were there. Yes. You know that because they're the they're only, the only guests other guests we've had while <laughs> chasing four kids and their four friends around the carnival. Not the Golics, you and I. You and I. They were playing. They were playing bingo. I I did. Uh, we did have a chance to say hello um, in between bingo calls because you can't interrupt when they're calling the the bingo numbers. And uh, and it occurred to me later that if they don't turn that into a show called Golic and Bingo, <laughs> then what are we even doing here? Speaking of carnivals, it's been a bit of a carnival or a circus. The the uh, post Stanley Cup celebration of the Washington Capitals, particularly Alex Ovechkin, their their star and mascot, uh, who has been swimming in fountains in Washington, uh, drinking out of the cup, sleeping with the cup, traveling around, and seeming to have the greatest time ever with the Stanley Cup, which is saying something because there are some legendary stories about about traveling with the Stanley Cup. And I was wondering, as I was watching this debauchery in Washington, um, uh, nobody has, has spent as much time uh, drinking in the, the whole scene in Washington, with the possible exception of Denny Gallagher, <laughs> um, as, as Ovechkin. Do you have any memories or, or do you have any recovered memories of celebrating in 1995 when you won the national championship with UConn or celebrating the Olympic gold medal a year later. I know when we finally got your gold medal out of out of um, the uh, lockbox that it was in, the metaphorical lockbox that it was in, uh, you said you wondered if it still smelled of beer because the last time you had seen it uh, had presumably been at a party. Or did you kill enough brain cells that you don't remember? No, there wasn't too much debauchery. After we won the gold medal, um, all of our team got together and we had champagne. I don't even remember where we went. I'm sure we drank beer. Um, But what's weird about that is that team trained together for an entire year. And that's the first time I ever had drinks with any of my teammates. That tells you how serious that group was because having drinks with my teammates was a regular part of the experience at UConn (laughs) when we had the next day off. But I do remember when I was at UConn, we won the national championship in Minnesota. We went back to our hotel. I don't remember which hotel it was, but it was out by the Mall of America. We weren't staying downtown. And our game was played, I think, at noon. So we went back. There was this big dinner for uh, for a bunch of boosters. And then we went to our hotel room. And I remember um, there was a bathtub full of a variety of things, a lot of wine coolers because we were girls college age girls were they in bottles or had the bathtub been filled with you're right with with a bunch of straws no it was in in ice and in there and i just remember late late in the evening after all of us had had plenty of that going up to coach oriama's suite and we were sitting in there there's about six of us maybe sitting in there and uh with coach oriama and his wife kathy and all of a sudden somebody mentioned like watching the game so he put in it was a vhs tape of course in those days puts in the vhs tape of the championship game and as we're watching it he starts pausing it and rewinding it as if we're in a film session and he's correcting stuff. This is, I don't know, hours after we've won the national championship until finally at one point, one of my teammates, Missy Rose, who um, who I don't think got in in that game. She was a player who came off the bench, just said, hey, coach. And he looked at her and she flipped him off. Like, <laughs> let's let him let's let us just watch watch this video. 
But also when we came back to campus, so we won the national championship on a Sunday. We come back on Monday. We're all, none of us had slept. We're exhausted. But that night, we are going to go out and celebrate our championship. We figured a bunch of students would want to be celebrating the championship with us. Jen Rosati and I went to the bar that everyone goes to, except on Mondays. Who cares who won a national championship? There might have been three other people there, and they were like playing dominoes and eating <laughs> dinner. So uh, it was a bit of a disappointing celebration back on campus, but it was a pretty great one in but Minneapolis. Wasn't it a, a three or four days of total sleep deprivation? And didn't you have to go on Letterman? Yeah, it was. Deprived it was, of sleep. It was a it was a week of sleep deprivation. I went. Uh, we went to go on one of the morning shows. I went on uh, Letterman with very little sleep. Later on that week, Bruce Springsteen was performing a, a private concert somewhere in New York and one of the local radio stations took me there and I got to watch that which was one of the highlights I I didn't leave because that was very much like a living room type of show but uh, actually just recently maybe a month ago I was looking for my Olympic jersey because our daughter they were studying the Olympics in her class she had chosen the the Atlanta Olympics and I was looking for my jersey and when I found it in like a Tupperware bin in there was the national championship net from 1995. And I knew I had it somewhere. I had com- just had no idea where it was. So I found that net. And then there's a couple pieces from other nets. I don't know what those were for, but I do remember, I did remember that I had one of those nets. So it doesn't smell like beer. And uh, Letterman had also been sleep deprived, I think, that week because he introduced you as being from the University of Kentucky. Is, the University of right? Kentucky. My, one of my, my favorite memory of that show is when I was in college, I had very little spending money and so my college roommate would cut my hair my hair was just pretty much straight cut at the bottom so it wasn't a big deal except that she used you know like orange handled scissors that you would have to cut paper and when I was on Letterman show you know they have a hair and makeup person so I remember sitting in the chair getting makeup done and the hair person as she's trying to blow out my hair and do some just kept going hmm 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 like because of course I had this awful haircut that my college roommate had been giving me so that's one of my memories from david letterman (laughs) i have analyzed that footage in the course of doing this podcast i've probably i've gone back and watched episodes of martin mad about you to try (laughs) to find audio to use in various opens and stuff like that have you found it i have found found anything i have watched the, the mad about you episode i've seen the martin episode and some of it has aged well, some of it has not, but the Letterman interview was always kind of shocking to me because, number one, I I am I like the fashion aspect of the whole thing, but my favorite thing What, that the I've black seen, pantsuit? It's yes, the only thing I I'm had. I'm a big fan of that. But you have to understand, again, I was a college kid right. who didn't have very much money and a 6'4 woman, yeah. so I had one halfway decent outfit and it was a was a black pantsuit yeah. right was it so from, that's like, what i wore the men's warehouse or something no it was a woman's cut but it was you're right it probably had shoulder pads but and stuff it did it's it's it wasn't the best look. there is one commercial that i saw i think it was around the start of the WNBA, and oh you're gonna bring up the kangle aren't you yes yeah <laughs> that outfit the hat that Everything it was, man. It was. It well, was, see, it was, it was you and who else was in there? It was Cheryl Swoops and, and Lisa Leslie, right. and it was a spoof of Reservoir Dogs, which yeah, I yeah. hadn't seen and still haven't seen. So they gave us these big leather, really expensive, nice jackets to wear. And I, I, I'm ashamed to say, but will admit that the Kangle, the the backwards Kangle, oh, was mine. It was a tremendous look. It was, yeah, it was an interesting look. And of its time, that's what you want. I think I may have actually worn a different hat when I was on. 
John Stewart show. This mm. was he had a late night show right. before um, yeah. the Daily Show, and I think I had another hat. Hats apparently were were, were my thing. When <laughs> That's I why was when they brought those hats back, I think it was for the London Olympics. I was like, here we go here again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've mentioned before along the bike path that we run on. There's a bench, a memorial bench uh, that that is engraved, and it says, "He wore many hats." No, she wore many hats. He had a quiet strength. Is that what it's? No, no he wore many hats. She had a quiet strength, I think, is what it is. That I've got a picture of it. I'll th- post it. What, what we've always translated it as, he had his hat collection in the back window of the car. <laughs> right. She never got in a word edgewise. Right. 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 Well, in the event that one of us passes away, we have to get a memorial bench, at least for you, that says, she wore many hats. It'll be ours, and it'll say, she wore many hats. He wore a monocle. And, and I think the WNBA Kicks Twitter handle recently unearthed a uh, Barbie doll commercial featuring you from when the WNBA was launching or thereabouts. And uh, it, it mentioned at the end, you're, on a, you're, you're encountering some kids on a playground who are playing with a WNBA Barbie. And they say, wow, it's Rebecca Lobo. For some reason, you're walking around in your Liberty full right, uniform. Right. And the tagline says, Rebecca Lobo sold separately. No, no. It says, uh, friends sold separately, Rebecca Lobo not included. Rebecca Lobo not included. It's time for our voluminous viewer mail. Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. We've sent out an, a second batch of swag. People are getting it. They're sending us photographs of it to um, ballandchainpod at gmail.com and to the Twitter handle, which is what, Beck? At Ball and Chain Pod, which reminds me, somebody sent us a tweet on Twitter and it just said, I have no swag. And I don't know if this was just they were talking about their personal life or yeah, um, like just their time. game. But I'll just remind people on Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod, that if you want swag, we do need your address. So you'll have to email us, which I don't think you want to do on Twitter where other people can see. And of course, that's ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And I should say, we're sending out, some people have requested a couple of coasters. I'm happy to send out a couple of coasters. Ordinarily, I'm sending out a magnet, a sticker, and a single beer coaster for for a couple of reasons. One, the single beer coaster fits best in the envelope and only requires one stamp. And two, I think most of our viewers drink alone anyway. Right. So that that seems to work perfectly. Well, um, Rachel in Utah sends us a picture of her ball and chain magnet and asks, good morning, Rebecca, Steve, and Denny with one N. I got the swag. The problem is deciding where to place my magnet, so I'm asking for your help. Option three is on her water bottle. We don't like that. Here's here's three pictures. That's fine. Options one and two are on her Harley Davidson. I love options one and two on the Harley Davidson. I'm hoping the magnet provides enough weight that it will help her on her left turn to... to trigger the signal so that it works for could, her. Could put her just over the top. So I think on the fuel tank of the Harley-Davidson, that's my vote. From Twitter, from Sean. Sean said, there is maple syrup, table syrup, and whatever original syrup is found eating breakfast in D.C. this morning. He sends us a picture because I've talked about, you know, getting getting mad at myself because I once accidentally bought table syrup, which is not original maple syrup. And he sends this picture of original syrup. And then below it, there's a picture of a microwave it says microwavable, and even better, tells you when it's hot. <laughs> exactly how does that work? How does the syrup tell you? Just like how beer tells you it's cold. <laughs> Blue as the Rockies. So there you go. A George in Columbus, my monocle dealer. Oh, hello, George. 
Uh, George writes, on a previous podcast, oh, first of all, he thanks us for the stickers. They're at least as good as the ones our Secretary of State give us as a reward for voting. Uh, on a previous podcast, Steve mentioned that he sat on your piano bench to play hall ball with your son. That reminded me, you've not given your listeners any updates on Steve's piano lessons. We know that you were successful in your bid to become Oscar Madison. How's your assault on Oscar Peterson coming along? I love the Oscar Madison, Oscar Peterson. Well, how do you Two think masters you're... of the keyboard. Denny, can we, um, at some point when Steve's ready, can we put in some recording of, uh, of Steve playing piano? Piano? I actually got the witness a live concert. Oh, geez. This While afternoon. you were waiting for the Starbucks. Oh, and captive audience. I've got to say, it's not quite Billy Joel, but I would say Elton John for sure. He's definitely on the he's, right track. He's getting there. Well, we'll, yeah. let the, we'll let the listeners decide at some point. I'll well, play a little still, something for them. You but. still like to, you know, if, if there's a lot going on and the kids are being loud or asking for a lot of stuff, and I say, Steve, can you help one of the kids get whatever? And then there's no answer, and I look in and he likes putting those Bose headphones on and practicing but the piano. I should say, uh, my teacher, the great Damien, is the same uh, teacher as our 13-year-old daughter. And so his player's recital was this past weekend. And he gave me the option of opting out. I did opt out. I didn't want to steal the thunder from all the rest of the his group, which are all children. But our daughter... Aging and r- ranging in age, I'd say, from 8 to 13 or 14. But we had our four kids and their four friends who had been over at our house the day. We dragged them to the recital because we had no other choice because we were continuing our day. We were on the way to the carnival, yeah. Right. yeah. And, uh, and at the end, they had this unbelievable teenage... Uh, couple of I mean our, our daughter played beautiful pop song by one direction and then two other teenagers played uh, classical pieces and while this girl was sitting there playing Chopin on a grand piano and just playing it beautifully impeccably uh, our son's buddy in the front row got up just out of genuine fascination and walked over to the grand piano sat on the stool that was that was in front of the grand piano while other parents were videoing No, he this. just stood there. He stood there and, and stared in stared at the inner the, workings of the into piano. Into the fascinating inner workings of the hammers going, and uh, and thus that will be in that parent's proud video of him gazing in fascination at the inner yeah, workings so of the grand piano. Sorry to that parent. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was a great moment. But uh, speaking of our stickers and George, my monocle dealer, we also have a viewer mail from... Can we just stop for a second and appreciate the fact that you have a monocle dealer? I also have a Dickey dealer, or I would like Careful. to have one. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, uh, Ed, Ed in Maryland writes, uh, Hi, Steve and Rebecca. Please see the attached. And he, he returns one of our stickers just digitally. He didn't actually physically return it to us, though I'm sure that's in our, in our not-too-distant future. And he has digitally altered our podcast logo to have me wearing a monocle and we should definitely <laughs> post a picture of that on on the uh yeah podcast. i'll put that i might and remember our instagram handle is at ball and chain podcast that would be a good place for me to put that picture ed is in fact our staff patent attorney as he signs his email and so perhaps he can get a patent on that uh, on that monocled logo i've got one from wbb fanatic we've heard from this person before regarding airport drinking my father would never drink in an airport in the morning. Why? His favorite quote, daytime drinking interferes with nighttime drinking. Hashtag priorities. Denny, are you a, um, are you a daytime drinker? Like when you, if you're going to fly somewhere, or you're going on a trip, like what, what would you say is too early of a time to start drinking? Well, are we talking now me or, or college me? Because those 11 a.m. tips versus Madison in college, like the 7 a.m. drinking when I wasn't covering the team was... Talking about men's basketball. Was, yeah, yeah. Was, was the thing to do 
at Marquette. But now, I mean, I'm not really one. I love soccer, but I'm not one of those EPL guys that, like, gets up probably because, well, most Saturday mornings I'm working. But uh, in terms of flying, I, I don't know. Like, I enjoy a beverage while in flight. I don't know. Okay. Now, so if there was an 11 a.m. basketball, men's basketball game at Marquette, you could start drinking at 7 a.m. Yeah. What, would there be any sort of pre-partying before a women's game? Or was that not well, part of the culture my, there? My friends did it because, like, we covered the team, and when we weren't covering the team, it was just a fun thing to do. But it's not like this new high-flying Marquette team that they got now. It, it, I mean, it was like a team that was, like, the bottom of the old Big East. and okay, So, Daddy, like, they weren't very... Since you're sitting and, next and, to me and you and, can't... And I love Terry Mitchell. Shout out to Terry Mitchell. And you, he's the former coach at Marquette. You can't lie to me. How many women's basketball games would you say you went to a year while you were a student at Marquette? Like, I covered about, like, a dozen a year. Okay. For that you didn't cover, that you were just going to go watch. It's okay you if you say zero. You just mentioned that he would be, covered a dozen yeah, women's like, games like, a year. Yeah, like, like, there's no more. Did like, you ever go when you weren't covering a game? That's my question. I went before college. Like, I've told you I've been to a uh, UConn-Notre Dame game when my brother was in college. But, like, no, like, like I was covering the team. Like, okay. We'll give you a pass. Huh, I have been to the Big East Women's Tournament, okay, when it As was... As a fan? In Hartford, yeah, because my brother was in the basketball band when he was at Notre Dame. Okay. So Denny, he would Denny, go... don't, don't be I'm, 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 I'm getting very defensive about this. No, you don't, need to be, you don't need to be defensive. <laughs> my questions would be more trying to figure out what's the way to appeal to oh, the baloney, males baloney. in Oh, you've been yeah, trying yeah, to shame yeah, yeah. him. That's, no, that's I'm, 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 I'm being I'm, completely serious. I've been publicly shamed, which is no different completely than any other Completely serious. Lori in Indiana, we don't know what, how many women's basketball games she's been to, if any, but Lori writes, uh, we shipped soil sampling bags to a customer in a reused box from Newegg, N-E-W-E-G-G. Newegg's box has the logo, May Contain Awesome. I'm sure the person that took it from our customer's porch was rather disappointed. So she's had a problem with thoughtful thieves also. And, oh, so uh, someone stole, what was it she was saying? They sent, they sent out a package Hopefully of soil sampling right. bags. Yeah, sent out a package of soil sampling bags in a reused box from a company Got whose it. logo's box says, May Contain Awesome. It didn't contain so, awesome. so it doesn't get stolen. We people should just have box that says, you know, may contain hazardous waste, Lori or hits, something like yeah, that. Yeah, Lori hits three um, uh, topics in this email that are dear to the show. She named. She, I made the mistake of naming my daughter Kirsten K I R S T I N. People are always changing it. When she got her varsity letter from Purdue in a frame with a plaque for being a manager, it has K R I S T I N. Kristen. She will not display it. And her name, of course, is Lori L A U R I E. I have people often reply to my email messages to Lori, L-O-R-I, as if, as if I don't know how to spell my own name. Finally, Rebecca, your complaints about Steve helping around the house, she does not share them. Lori's husband cooks but never makes the bed, never helps with the laundry, never does any dishes. Even when I travel on my own, I come home to the sink full of dishes. A co-worker was complaining about how her husband made the bed incorrectly, something you did on the show recently. The sheet was upside down or something, and I was shocked that he changed the sheets at all or made the bed. So do I at least not get credit for, for doing those things? Yeah, I'll give you a little tiny bit of credit, but um, I don't think you've ever changed the sheets on the, our bed. I think you've changed the sheets on the kids' beds, but but that's fine. I don't need you to change the sheets. I just need you to pull the sheet up when you make the bed. We have a lot of reaction from, from viewers this week about poutine. Uh, I had quite a few reactions on Twitter as well. What are they saying about poutine? Are they upset that I did not know what poutine was? Well, the woman who, who started our whole poutine craze, Ilana, and she confirms it's I-L-A-N-A, 
and her acceptable pronunciations are Ilana, preferably, but she'll also accept Alana with an A. Ilana writes, over the years, proper poutine has been bastardized and many varieties, including gourmet adaptations, are now available. There's an establishment in Montreal that does one with duck confit. Now that, she writes, is just foul, F-O-W-L. Denny, I believe you're an aficionado of gourmet poutine. Oh, I thought you were going to say a aficionado of being foul, of which I would say thank you. You're neither <laughs> fish nor foul. I'll aficionado? just let you two Marquette okay, okay. guys anyway. entertain Also, I just want to give a quick update on the title last week's episode. I've been vindicated. With the FS is the only way it formats correctly. So a little inside baseball is so for all the people that care about how it shows up on their screen. And I and I deeply think about this every single week with the FS. If it's all on your screen and you see it nicely and it doesn't have to scroll the entire time. So you can thank me later. So that you're going to say that was you intended. Yes. To spell it then Denny, right, then well Denny would it not have formatted if you had just left it as thoughtful thief? Thief. Like, like. F.S. at the end. But without the S at the end. Thoughtful Thief would have worked, surely. Oh, I will get back to you. Steve and Rebecca. Steve writes, not me, but another Steve. I really love listening to the podcast. I've especially enjoyed the banter on unusual spellings, which reminded me of my dad telling me about a star basketball player from Temple named Bill Milkvie, M-L-K-V-Y, whose nickname was The Owl Without a Vowel, one of the all-time great nicknames in sports history, a very famous uh a very successful Temple basketball player, Bill Milkvie, the owl without a vowel. For some reason, that reminds me of former Padres catcher Doug Goosh, his last name G-W-O-S-D-Z, whose nickname was iChart. I'm going to tell a Doug story, um, and it's not even my story to tell, but a great AP writer who covers women's basketball, Doug Feinberg, one of my favorite stories he tells is being somewhere and there was Sports Illustrated swimsuit models there. I don't know if he was at the magazine launch party or what, but um, he asked one of them to sign something for him. He, I'm guessing he wasn't covering the event. And anyway, uh, she asked him his name. He said Doug and she wrote to Doug. I believe it was D-U-G-G. It may have been D-U-G and then signed by the supermodel. So whenever I see Doug, it's D-U-G-G. Tom writes, Tom writes, doesn't have a, oh, Tom in Virginia writes, knowing your affinity for extra or drop letters and proper names, I couldn't resist sharing the attached photo of Funville, F-U-N-N-V-I-L-L-E. That's what the Richmond Flying Squirrels have dubbed their home stadium, and the name appears in multiple locations around the stadium, along with exhortations to have fun, F-U-N-N. There's no explanation for the extra N, and when I asked uh, a stadium employee, he looked at me quizzically and said, I have no idea what Where it means. Where is this? This is in uh, Richmond, Virginia. All right. Well, let's go to Funville sometime and have some fun. And un- uh, fun with two N sounds more fun than it's fun like with one N, doesn't live it? Live broadcast from Funville. Funville needs to be in Banff. F-f-f- it does. Two Fs. It sounds like an enforced fun, like you're required to have fun in Funville. Rebecca. You'll be, this is uh, from another Rebecca in Washington State. Rebecca, you'll be happy to know that I wouldn't think to send back the autographed photo I have of you from many years ago. Thank you a decade or so later, by the way. If I end up having kids someday, it will be passed down as a precious family heirloom. In fact, uh, thank you, Rebecca. We have many emails uh, this week from people who would gladly accept the stuff that people are sending back to you. Right. They would gladly accept it. If there's any way we could eliminate the middleman, us, and just have the people who no longer want their stuff send it directly to the people who want their stuff, 
That's an app that somebody should develop. That's my side hustle, side hustle 3.0. My my favorite. I don't know we, if we, I make... we could, I've got a name. Speaking of Funville and Doug with two Gs, we could call it Crap, C-R-A-P-P, <laughs> the app for people who want other people's crap. There you go. I like it. I uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast where I, I've talked about people sending their my their stuff of mine back to me, but my favorite item, it, got, it came in the mail, I don't know how long ago, and it was a 1995 National Championship t-shirt signed by me and all of my teammates that had been laundered, I'd say, a good 100 <laughs> times. All these Sharpie signatures were, are ridiculously faded. The shirt's faded. I don't think it has any holes in it. Um, not quite sure what, I'm, what I was and what I am still supposed to do with that one. <laughs> this viewer mail was sent via tweet, and I just want to say thank you to Suze. S-O-O-Z. I wonder if her name is, or maybe it's Susie, and that's how she spells it. Anyway, we talked about Kirkland Bailey's Irish Cream, Kirkland Irish Cream at Costco, and she said, don't go to the Enfield Costco for Kirkland Bailey's. It's privately owned. The West Hartford Costco has it in vodka bottles almost as tall as you are. Now, Enfield is where my Costco is, so I just have to thank her. She's saved me a hour-long round trip to go in search of Kirkland Irish cream when it wouldn't have ended up being there. So that is a great use of Twitter. Now that people know you shop at the Enfield Costco, they'll be showing up there with stuff they want to return to you. And it'll all be supersized. It'll be the triple XL version of my jersey if it's at Costco. Uh, I'm just going to give quickly, uh, read two staff position uh, applicants. And we can, can, I think, decide right here. And since since Denny's here, we can say, Denny, don't cut these out. Uh, Rich and Charity in New ha- Rich and Charity in New Hampshire. I think we read a viewer mail from them we last have, week, yes. but I didn't get to their application. We would like to offer our services. I am a project manager who has specialized in mergers and divestitures. Do you want to acquire another podcast or divest a portion of the existing podcast? Perhaps Uber Confessions could become its own podcast. You could get viewer mail with confessions from all over. Please let me know how I can help. Uh, do we approve Rich and or Charity as our as our mergers and divestitures person. Our M&D. I say absolutely. We got to prove them on a consulting basis to help us uh, take over the podcast game. It starts with one, and then we're going to take over the ringer and barstool, and then next thing, see, that's the whole plan here, to take over the podcast business, top of the charts, you're hired. So they can work on based on contingency. Yeah, Once yeah. they start taking that stuff over, we'll pay them. It's really just a giant heist movie we're trying to do. I, I think we should take over corporations. I don't know any corporations. Which ones? Gulf and Western. That was a corporation in the 70s. I don't know if they still exist. <laughs> um, and then Craig in, in Fort Lauderdale had, with this email, I'm applying for the podcast job opening as your resident investment banker. When you're ready to sell a ball and chain for millions, I'm your man. So well, he's uh, an investment banker. We need to talk to him about investing. We should get him on the same page as our... And then he can get all of your side hustles up and running. Let's go. This guy. What's this guy's name? We should get him on on the same page as our mergers and divestitures Sorry, Josh. I will not be coming out to Wyoming, but this guy's a lot more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we have to divest ourselves from this podcast now. Any final words? I can't believe this is the first time we'll be mentioning Hari, but, uh, but no, I just can't wait to hear Tom, Dick, and Hari. Says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. 
Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pad Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane